Welcome to Podcasting Savvy, which was presented at the Legal Marketing Association's Regional Conference in Boston on October 25th. I'm Susan Peters, the president of Graybridge PR and the moderator of the panel. My guests are Michael Meyer, a commercial photographer focused on the needs of the legal industry. Michael also hosts and produces the Legal Marketing Studio, a podcast in its third season featuring movers and shakers in legal marketing. Bob Ambrogi, a practicing lawyer and legal journalist who, after 13 years co-hosting the longest-running legal podcast, has recently launched a new podcast about innovation in law called Lawnex. And Angela Robinson, the marketing communications manager at Finnegan, one of the world's largest IP law firms. Let's just get started, and maybe um, each of you can talk a little bit about how you guys are podcasting and what your podcasts are like. Frequency... Duration, length, just a little bit of background on, on how you guys podcast. Maybe Angela, you want to start? Yeah, so I'm a little bit different from these two, as you guys will hear. So I sort of coordinate our podcast at Finnegan. We use an outside PR agency that does all of the recording and the editing um, and everything on that front. And so I'm sort of just the one that's, as we said, kind of herding the cats and kind of coordinating everything, posting it to the website, promoting it after it's um, all finalized. We primarily podcast about hot topics, the cases that have just come down, really just trying to, rather than like just giving out information that you might find in sort of an article or something, we're really trying to promote, um, uh, I guess, really trying to make sure that what we're podcasting is important to um, our clients and what it really means for them, rather than just giving them information of what and, and since Finnegan's just an IP law firm, maybe you want to talk a little bit how about how the podcast is generated? Because you have a different model, too, with a PR agency. Yeah, so again, we just um, we work through our PR agency. Usually our attorneys are coming to us saying, you know, I want to do a podcast about this particular topic. Um, a lot of times we'll suggest to them particular topics based on what's going on um, in the industry or other content that we've put out to sort of go along with existing content that we already have out there. Um, so really, our, I mean, we're lucky in that our attorneys want to do podcasting and want to create content, so we don't really have to sort of, um, you know, track them down or force people to do it. They primarily are coming to us saying that they want to participate in podcasting. Cool. What about you, Bob? Yours is a different story. Uh, yeah, so I've actually been podcasting for 13 years. I had I had the the longest running legal podcast there was uh, called Lawyer to Lawyer. It was done through the Legal Talk Network, which is a company that produces podcasts for lawyers. We were their first podcast way back when they first started. Uh, I actually this summer did something odd, which is after doing that for 13 years, I quit it. Uh, it's continuing to run with, with new hosts, but I decided I wanted to start my own podcast. Uh, for a number of reasons, but partly just to be more nimble, to kind of get my hands dirty with producing it myself as opposed to having somebody else doing it for me. Uh, so I started a podcast called Law Next, which is focuses on uh, the innovators and entrepreneurs who are driving what's next in law. And it's a weekly podcast. We're up to uh, about 16 episodes by Michael's County, told me this morning. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's a lot of fun, having a lot of fun doing it. Michael, what about you? Tell me about your podcast. Well, I am probably, well, I'm quite different than these two. I don't work for a law firm and I'm not a lawyer. Um, 
but a lot of my clients are lawyers. And like many of your attorneys, my business development is really built up around building relationships and networking. And so a few years ago, I was looking for a way to, to reach people and to learn some new skills uh, and to do so in a way that had uh, value for the people I was working with. So, so I hit on podcasting because it gave me a chance to learn some skills that were related to what I do, um, but that also were, were very new to me. And it was also a really great way for me to meet people, give me a reason to call people in the industry without having to say, hey, do you need a photographer? Because if, any, if, if I call you and say that, you're going to be like, no, we've got someone. But if I call and say, hey, I saw you did this really cool project, or I heard you just did your website, do you want to talk about that success or that win? Most people say yes. So it's a way for me to, um, to meet people, to make connections, to build relationships, but to do it in a way that tells somebody else's story and gives value to the other person, um, which I think is, is one of the most important things in having a podcast that is business development related, um, whether you're a photographer or an attorney or whatever. So just to take a big step back and just to focus on podcasting generally, um, when you're starting a podcast, you need to have some type of goals or focus. You know, why are our law firms, why is the legal industry getting into podcasting, and what kind of objective or firm goals do you want to have? Um, Angela, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, we are, like I said, our podcasts are to obviously help bring in new business. Um, we really use our podcast to sort of establish ourselves or you know, continue to establish ourselves as a thought leader in our space. We are IP only law firm. Um, so I would say those are sort of our biggest um, goals. Bob, what about you? I think that, you know, I think if you accept the premise that, that marketing is a conversation, then I think the two best ways that you can engage in, in, in that conversation are through blogs and podcasting. And, Podcasting have a really, you know, unique uh, medium in the sense that you are literally having a conversation. You're, you're literally being able to hear the voice of somebody and, and get a sense of their emotion and, and who they are. Uh, I mean, one, one podcast I've done on my new one, I, I interviewed uh, Mark Britton, who was the guy who founded Avo, just retired earlier this year as the head of Avo, and and you could. In listening to the podcast, you could really kind of hear his emotion talking about some of the issues around his founding the company and, and selling the company and everything else in a way that you would never get, you know, from a, a written word. So it's a really effective way to convey who you are or who, you know, your guests are. Yeah, Michael, what about you? I would say one of the things that I didn't do well at the very beginning was to set goals and strategy. Um, and I think it, ha it really should have been much more specific than I'm going to meet people and build relationships, but that's, that's really where I started as goals, very, very high level. Okay. Everyone, feel free to jump in and ask questions if you have questions along the way. Makes it more interactive. And then just, you know, some basic considerations for, long, for podcasting, you know, well, in terms of time and resources, how much would you say, Michael, let's start with you, since you have another full-time job. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Um, yeah. It takes a lot of time. I would say it takes me about a half a day of research and prep for each interview, separate from finding people and reaching out to people. Once someone's been found, it takes me about a half a day of research and writing a script, a series of questions. Um, it takes another you know, hour or so of time recording it. And then I would say that hour of recording that I'm going to cut down to, say, 20 or 30 minutes is going to take me another half day to edit. Um, and part of I really enjoy keeping it all and doing it myself. Um, some of those could certainly be cut down by giving it away, um, but I know at least one attorney at a big firm who I interviewed uh, 
he said about the same thing. He gave half a day to a day of research for every single interview. Wow, that's um, a lot of time. So, but he could, of course, hand off the back end stuff um, and have it edited by someone else. Yeah. Then Bob, yeah. what about you? How much? Yeah, I find it's a lot of time. I mean, when I did, when I was doing it through the Legal Talk Network, the advantage of doing it through an organization like that, and I'm not plugging for them, I'm not affiliated with them in any way, but I did work with them for many years. They do. Uh, they actually, I actually had a producer assigned to my show who would help me get lineup guests scope out questions and discussion points and all of that. It was really great to help prep it, but I would still spend a lot of time prepping. Now that I'm doing my own podcast, yeah, at least a half a day per interview uh, uh, prepping for it. Um, although I will confess that some of the best interviews I've done have been very spur of the moment. I've been at a conference or something and somebody said, hey, let's sit down and uh, we can record right now. And I had no prep whatsoever. <laughs> they were some of the more natural uh, right. and best flowing conversations. Cool. Yeah, so we're kind of the opposite, um, again, because we outsource um, the majority of our podcasting. As far as attorney time, honestly, our attorneys are spending less than an hour. So it's um, we have sort of a brainstorming call initially, which is usually less than 30 minutes. And then they have a second call where they actually do the recording, which is usually also less than 30 minutes. So if you are outsourcing your podcast and trying to convince your attorneys to do podcasting, I mean, there's a benefit in that you can tell them it won't take up a lot of their time because obviously they're not doing the editing and everything. Yeah. And I'm just going to jump in. One other difference, I think, um, the, the attorney who I mentioned who spends a, a half day to a day of background research, he, first he gives some of it to his associates or paralegals to do, um, but he's also doing a more interview style. So I think it's a little bit different than you get, you're not quite reading a script, but you know where that conversation right. is going to go. Exactly. So we have questions that are pre-planned in advance. Um, and so our um, voice of our podcast, which again is our PR agency, they're, they're asking the questions and then the attorneys are responding. So the attorneys know ahead of, ahead of time what the questions are that they're going to be asked. That's no fun. <laughs> <laughs> the listener doesn't know. <laughs> Yeah, and then like, what are some great tips? Like, what did you wish you knew before you started this whole thing? Like, Bob, since you're the veteran of podcasting. <laughs> well, I, mean, I absolutely knew nothing when we started the first time. Um, but it's been a really ex interesting experience to kind of be relearning it by doing it myself, because I really realized how little I knew. I mean, it, it, the technical side of it. I mean, we've, we've, I've been working with my son, who, who does audio uh, and video work out of California, and so he's been helping me produce it. But we really had to go and try out all the different hosting platforms and all the different recording options uh, and the different sound setups and what day of the week works best, what, how, what format to use. We, we've really been kind of experimenting with uh, a, a lot of things. We've been learning a lot uh, just, just in the last couple of months. Cool. What, Angela? Yeah, I mean, again, you guys probably have learned a lot more than I do because I'm sort of on the back end. but. I guess it's really just understanding like how much editing goes in on the back end because we're not seeing that. Um, you guys are seeing that because you're actually doing it. So yeah, that's one thing that you know we've learned. Yeah, and then just in terms of for this audience, like for marketing issues, like what would you say or how do you get the word out? How do you get listeners? How like what are those kind of marketing issues that you need to think about and what do you do about it that you've done really well? As far as how we get the word out, um, we promote all of our podcasts on our social media feeds. Um, we also 
highly encourage our attorneys um, to promote the, the podcast that they're doing on their social media feeds, um, sending it to clients directly. We do series often, so we'll have like a software as a medical device series or like a 3D printing series, which we found works well when we want to do like targeted mailings. And so we'll put all of the links to all of those podcasts in one mailing and send that to targeted client list cross-promoting our podcast and other pieces of content. So if we have a webinar that we're doing, we have a podcast that's related, we'll put the link in the webinar invitation or you know in the resources section during the webinar. Um, same thing if we have like a blog post and there's a related podcast, we'll promote both sort of together. Well, everything she said, uh, I mean, you know, social media is a really effective way to promote it out. I was, I was saying earlier to some of the people on the panel, one thing I, I like to do uh, when I've done an interview with somebody is to pull out some really good quotes from that interview, nice short little Twitter-sized quotes that I can then post over the course of a week, just put up a quote with a link to the podcast, and that's proven to be very effective uh, in, in uh, building uh, listenership. Um, and then also just just to make sure you're publishing your podcast out to every podcast listening platform, because there are a ton of different ones. Most people are listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, but there are a number of different uh, apps for listening to podcasts, and you want to make sure you're pushing your thing. And if you, and it, it, most of the podcast publishing platforms you can use allow you to just basically automatically send it out to all the different podcast listening apps. So but uh, you want to make sure you're doing that. I, I know there's one uh, law firm that I was recently asking, asking me to write about their podcast. They were touting their podcast, and when I went and looked at it, it, was, it wasn't a podcast. It was an audio recording posted to their website. There was no way to subscribe to it, and I wrote to them and said, this is not a podcast. <laughs> and they said, well, what do you mean? What's a podcast? And I explained how they had to do it, and they now send it out the proper way. The only thing I'll add to that, because that's essentially what I do, though not very well, um, so I really try and leverage my guests' network and their social media networks. Um, and I make sure that the guest has a link that they can put right into uh, LinkedIn, they can put on their social media channels, I make sure they have embedding code so they can put it on their website. And I try and get the, the guest to do as much promotion as they can um, and to make it as easy for them as possible. Uh, because part of it also is I want to build a relationship with them. Uh, and part of that, for me, is giving them something of value to put out there, and so I make it easy for them to put out that content. One other thing I'd just add to that, that it's, it can be hard to find law-related podcasts. If you're, looking, if, if you're somebody trying to find them as opposed to trying to get people to find yours, uh, there isn't a, a really good source. And if you go into Apple and just kind of search legal terms, you're just going to get a whole bunch of stuff that isn't necessarily what you want. Uh, I mean, one thing uh, we're doing, I, I work with Lexblog, one thing we're going to be doing is building out a directory of legal podcasts to make it easier to find them and, and by, by topics and locations and whatever else. I would say Player FM is the best place to do searches like that. Yeah. iTunes is not great, no. but Player FM yeah. is pretty good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and then just to, to dig a little bit deeper into the topic, you know, how would you guys make your content useful? Like what's sweet spot for the length, the best day, the post, stuff like that. Again, as far as making it useful, um, make it matter to your audience. When it comes to breaking news or cases that come down, everyone's reporting on the facts and what happens, but what clients care about is how does this impact my business? Um, so I think that's something to really think about when you're trying to make it useful. Yeah. I mean, I don't, how long are the Finnegan ones usually? Um, our podcasts are usually about 
15 to 20 minutes, so they're not super long. Um, when I first started, they were a lot shorter, but I think as podcasting kind of grew, we've made them a little bit longer, but we try to make them, I mean, I think a sweet spot is like a good commute. So like anything less than like 45 minutes or so, depending on how long your commute is. So right now ours are about 15 to 20 minutes, but you know, good for commuting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Bob, what about do you have a sweet spot? Uh, we've debated the right length. I mean, I, when I, my All old right. one was always 30 minutes. The new one I started, I vowed was going to be 20 minutes. I'm usually 30 minutes or more. <laughs> Sometimes I've gone almost an hour with some really good guests. Uh, I was saying earlier that an Apple podcast, there's a, a, um, a dashboard essentially that you can kind of see at what point during your show people drop off from listening. Uh, and it, I mean, it does seem to be that about 20 minutes is where you're going to start to see the biggest drop off. Uh, and when you get right towards the end, when it's clear you're about to wrap up the show, then people just drop off really quickly. They never wait to hear the closing comments. But uh, it, it's interesting, though, that, that no matter how long my show is, whether it's 30 minutes or 45 minutes, it always tends to be about the same sort of 60% through point that you start to see more dropping off. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What about you, Michael? I mean, my goal was also for 20 minutes, um, with 30 minutes being the upper limit. Uh, though this year, because I've been posting a little less frequently, I've let them go a little bit longer, um, mm -hmm. to the point of having one of them be three 40-minute sessions from one interview, oh. uh, which is way too much. <laughs> that's um, a lot. But the two most recent have been two of the most listened to, and they've been pushing, they both pushed 40, 45 minutes. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, and then would you say, I mean, yours is weekly. Um, Angela, how often do you spin again? We post a podcast about once or twice a month. Yeah, is there a best day to put it up? or? <laughs> to be honest, ours we put up as soon as it's finalized and approved. <laughs> We're not, we don't really, you know, say Wednesday or anything like that. It really is once it's approved to go up on the website, then we post it. Yeah. I, I just think it's best to avoid the end of the week. Uh, I, I was, my new one, we, it was sort of like the same thing. We're just putting up what it was done, and that tended to end up being Thursday or Friday. And I've, now we've just intentionally shifted it, so it's going to go up on Monday morning. And I, it gives me that much more time to play it out over social media during the week. I seem to get a lot much more, you know, better traffic overall that way. So. Yeah, in terms of measurement and analytics, I know you were, you just had that interesting stat about the 164. So I was, I was listening to a webinar yesterday that a, an IP attorney out in California, a two-partner two firm, uh, they do these webinars and they had uh, a public radio podcast guy come on um, and he said look you have to know that the median number of downloads is about 165 163 165 something like that so it means most podcasts are not getting all that many listens i mean you think about how many people i'm trying to reach in the whole it's country a very niche target right yeah. and i mean for most people your if your audience if your content's going to be useful it's going to be pretty niche right so you know, you're not aiming for that. I mean, it might be that if you hit 100 people, those 100 downloads might be 10% of your audience you're trying to reach in the whole country. Um, so, you know, those numbers on, in one way can be a little daunting, but at the same time, it's good to go back to what your strategy is and what your goals are, and maybe it's not that, that huge download number. Yeah, I mean, do you obsess over your analytics every week? Well, I've been obsessing that? only because I just started <laughs> it. I'm, 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 it's fun, it's actually kind of fun to watch it, but. The, the 
the podcast I used to do for Legal Talk Network, it, it, they, it was supposedly their most listened to podcast, and, and we would average anywhere from 5,000 to 9,000 downloads per episode. The one I'm doing now, I've been getting about 1,000 downloads per episode, having started in, in, in July, which I think is, is okay. I'm happy with that, but yeah. I'd like to get it up. So. That seems very good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that seems like a really rapid growth to me. Yeah. And what about a Finnegan? Like, are they obsessed with the analytics? Yeah, no, we try not to obsess over um, the analytics. I mean, we can track, you know, the downloads and who presses play on the website. But really, um, it really does go along with sort of our content strategy as a whole. So it's just that sort of one piece of it. And again, putting out supplemental content to go with that. Yeah. I mean, would you guys um, discuss other ways to boost your audience? I mean, the only other thing that I do is just try and encourage people to subscribe to the RSS feed as opposed to just listen to it on a one-off basis. And I, I, I can also see from my stats that I've built up a good number of subscribers only because almost as soon as the show is published, you start to see a whole bunch of downloads before I even promoted it or anything. So clearly people are subscribing to it. So. Yeah, I, I would just say, I mean, being consistent, um, you know. Yeah. That's very important. Giving your subscribers something to look forward to. It's not just post one podcast and then don't post another one for another six months. Like just making sure that you're continuing to put out content. So there's a, um, a e-discovery company called Relativity. Some of you might have heard of. Uh, they've been doing a new podcast. They've only got a couple of episodes, but they do a really good job of promoing it before it's posted. They'll they oh, go teasers. in and they have photographers there while they're recording it, and they're, they've got it up on Instagram and on Facebook. You know, oh. pictures of the recording session and snippets, and they really do a good job of marketing the show even before it's posted, which yeah. takes it takes some initiative. Yeah, <laughs> and some budget. And some budget. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just to go back to the webinar yesterday, so the person speaking was Ben Adair from Western Sound, which is a now they're a production house, and so they'll produce podcasts for people. And he was saying, the other thing he was saying, the number one way to grow your podcast, to grow your audience, is to either advertise on podcasts that have a similar audience, or to be a guest on those podcasts. So they talk about host swapping. Okay. So for instance, Bob and I should really talk about swapping, guesting on each other's shows. Because we have similar audiences, that's the kind of thing that would grow his audience, grow my audience. And again, it's leveraging one another's networks. Would you guys ever post transcripts of the podcast after people um, ever ask you for that? No, we don't. Um, one, just because we don't have the in-house resources to do that, and we just have never felt the need to do it, to outsource it to an outside vendor. And no one has really asked us to for a transcript, so we don't do the transcript. I haven't done it. Um, I, I see my friend Kevin O'Keefe from Lexblog sitting in the back of the room there who's been doing a bunch of video interviews, not podcasts per se, but video interviews, they, they post the transcript. I don't, I'm not sure why you decided to do that just for just to make it easier for the reader or, or what, but they do both the video and the transcript uh, on their site. So. I don't. I, I've actually experimented with some uh, with Google's voice recognition tool and it's, uh, it didn't work very well. You have to go back in and change it. It was almost like it almost have been faster to transcribe it myself. That's a lot of, it can be a lot of work. Yeah. For a half hour show, that's like days worth of work. Yeah. I just wondered if people asked for transcriptions of it. They didn't want to listen, but they wanted to read it. You know, some people. Nobody's actually asked me yet, but I. <laughs> okay. I know I've seen some talk that it does help in terms of SEO, but yeah. I haven't worried about it. Okay. So. All right. There, oh, sorry. There was a yes. question. Yes. Uh, so my firm does not have a podcast, but a lot of attorneys do come and ask me about it, and often 
when they ask me, they say, like, I can come up with an idea or two. And so to your comments on consistency, like what would you say is sort of the starting point here? What's the dip in your toe in? You know, when they say that to me, should I be saying, great, if you come up with 10 topic ideas or 10 interview ideas and come back and see me, what's, what's sort of like the base? Yeah, so for us, again, we have a brainstorming call. Um, so they may have a couple of ideas. And so during that call, that's really the time to see if there is enough content to actually create a podcast. So we're asking questions like, you know, what happened with this case? Why is it significant? Why is it important? Like maybe put together a list of sort of key questions. And if you can hit all of those questions, then maybe that qualifies for, you know, enough content for a podcast. Um, so. But also, if it's just on one lawyer, what if they get busy? Well, yeah, that's usually what it is. They're saying, like, like blogs. Like, okay, <laughs> consistently, do you think you can consistently? Because you're talking about the time that you spend, even though the attorney probably would not be doing it while you're doing it, they probably want somebody else to do the other Right. But, you know, in that case, when they have an asking that, I think they're actually asking me so Matt Steinberg from from Ackerman has a podcast and he's he drives it he wanted to do it um, so there's a whole interview on my podcast with him about his podcast and he does talk about how do you maintain the consistency and how do you keep coming up with ideas and then how do you balance out that with actually having to do work that's uh, I don't envy him and balance out the work he does and that just, just a funny aside on that. It, when I was, as I said, working with my son to produce his podcast, I really had no familiarity with the legal industry, but I told him I wanted to do a weekly podcast about innovation. And he said, well, aren't you going to run out of innovative people in legal in like no. about two months? No, <laughs> no you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a question? Okay. Uh, we, so we're struggling with sort of organizing our podcasts in Google Play and iTunes, you know, it just sort of lists them all and there's really no way of sorting or filtering by topic. And we don't really have enough in any one category to sort of be its own separately branded kind of podcast. How much does that matter as far as sort of the nicheness of the content versus just having kind of interesting content that people are finding? Are people finding it sort of organically, or in which case then it doesn't really matter if they're all kind of branded similarly, they're gonna find it based on the content that they're searching for. Doesn't, that's not really a question. We were just talking about I was just gonna say, yeah, do you also post there. your podcast to your firm website too? Yeah, yeah, they're on the website as well, but we've got them on um, Google Play and iTunes and SoundCloud. Yeah, I mean, again, for us it's a little different because we only do IP law, so we don't really have to worry about right. like segmenting right. so and we, yeah, branding. Broad, right? Yeah, different topics. Yeah, about. Um, I don't know if you guys have any. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, sort of a follow-up to that, yeah. and something we're struggling with as a medium-sized firm with multiple practice groups. Whether is it the best strategy to have a firm podcast that has topics on different practice areas? or whether it makes sense to have niche podcasts for various practice areas. And you know, it's branded as the firm, but it's only on real estate, it's only on IP versus it's a firm website uh, podcast and it has an episode on real estate, it has an episode on corporate. Because are real estate so, people gonna listen to the corporate, like it's, who's the right. target audience? Right. Yeah, that's I mean, I think that's struggle. hard, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like until, I mean, unless you have enough content to do like a full-blown real estate podcast, then it probably is best to just keep it at the firm level and then you're doing, you know, like a corporate podcast, a real estate podcast until you get 
enough to sort of have its own brand, branded podcast. I, I would tend to think that you'd, you'd want to break them apart myself only because you're going to want people, if you're going to want people to subscribe to it that's, and follow yeah, it because they're interested in it, and they're going to be more interested in the topic that interests right. them, not in a whole hodgepodge of topics. Right, that's yeah. what we were struggling with. Because I think it's the same way you, if you were doing blogs, if you'd want to have those be separate blogs, you wouldn't sure. want to have one big mega blog that covers everything under the sun. Then you have but to get you, a lot more content. Yeah, so yeah, I guess do, that's right? my point. So it's like if you only have one real estate podcast that you're doing every six months, I don't know if that would warrant like a whole. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that wouldn't warrant a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> a whole section, yeah. I mean, it would probably be easiest. I mean, when we talk about doing it every week or every month or mm -hmm. however often you do it, it might be good to think that it doesn't, you're not going to do one this week and I'll do the next one next week and I'll do the next one the week after that. You can do 10 up front and it's going to make it a lot easier in terms of recording and production sure. to do all of them all at once and then they can get published over time. Mm -hmm. um, and it also means that people aren't going to get busy, but that would also be an easy way to say, okay, you know what, let's dip our toe in the water and do the real estate group and we'll put these 10 out and see how it goes over the next 10 months. Sure. Mm -hmm. Right. Another question, you mentioned if you want people to subscribe, how important is subscription if your listeners, if the number of listens is high, do people need to subscribe? I mean, do you have to have people subscribing for it to, does that enhance the value or is it just the number of listens that you're looking for? I think it's, a, it's about your goals. Yeah. I mean, if your goals are to sell advertising or to sell subscriptions, then you do need big subscriber numbers. Uh -huh. um, but as a law firm. But as a law firm, if your goal is to be able to send it out in a newsletter or to be able to, you know, talk to a client and say, oh, we just did a, a podcast on this, here's some more information for you, that might not matter so much. And for me, that's, I'm not so worried about growing subscribership because again, that's how I use it, so. Yeah, although, although again, I mean, it's not just about selling advertising, it's also about the virality of it. And, and the more subscribers you have, the more likely some of those subscribers are gonna to be to be putting it up on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, you know, without you having to promote it. So it just enhances your, your audience that way. But that, again, assumes you want to, want to build an audience. So just in terms of listener engagement, what would you say as your sweet spot for the frequency and follow-up? So we do them once, once or twice a month. Okay. Um, we don't really have much follow-up. I mean, we do, again, just try to repurpose our content um, you know, cross-promoting it with other content. But again, our frequency is about once or twice a month. Yeah. And then in terms of outreach? So again, client mailings. Um, I mean, we had an instance a couple of months ago where an attorney was going back and forth with a client about something and um, had sent the link to the podcast. And that was sort of like, that sort of like sealed the deal in a sense. Um, so, you know, direct outreach to clients um, we strongly encourage. <laughs> yeah. Bob, what about you? For free, for you yeah, I'm not really doing much yeah. besides this, you don't you know, do much so promoting it on social media and whatever, I'm doing anything yeah. else. Yeah, so I started out doing mine every other week. And so for the first two seasons, I did it every other week with the exception of a few holiday breaks for two years. Uh, and this year I've dropped back to roughly monthly and I haven't really had a hit in terms of listenership. Um, so I think, Again, I think it's more consistency than it is what that frequency is. And again, it might depend upon what your topic is and the kind of podcast that you have. If it's an interview show, I don't think it's going to matter so much. If you're a show like Serial, and I think something like Weekly might make more sense the way like a the TV series would be. Um, and again, I, I'm like Bob, I, I don't do any outreach except for sending it out to people that I've met and I say, oh, here's an episode you might find interesting. Mm -hmm. But I don't do any outreach to the audience beyond that.
do, do any of you do advanced engagement? Like, do you say, I'm going to have Bob on, you know, any questions you'd like me to ask him about innovation? And, you know. I've tried it a little bit on social media. I haven't gotten much out of it. I, we have been thinking about doing, trying to formalize that in some way. Um, uh, where, where people could, could submit questions in advance. We, we're even thinking, we've been looking at, there's this site called Patreon where people can subscribe okay. to support your, your blog or, or podcast or whatever. And what, what a lot of podcasters offer on Patreon is exactly that. If somebody you know, is a supporter or a patron of their, of their podcast, they can submit questions to guests in advance or, or actually get the episodes in advance before they're put out publicly, that sort of thing. What do you guys think? Do you, do you think podcasting builds a sense of community? And Michael? <laughs> I mean, I think it certainly can, if that's your goal. Again, it's not sort of how I use the medium, so I, it's, it, it certainly could. Yeah, no, I, no, no, I love community. Um, no, and I think it's funny, because part of what led me to start doing it was listening to a panel like this one and there was like this really interesting question that one panelist asked to another one, and the moderator said, we're not going down that rabbit hole. And so I felt like there was an opportunity in the legal marketing community to go down some of those rabbit holes, and I was like, maybe my podcast can be that. So I think it, I think it was, in service sounds over the top perhaps, but I think that it, there is some value in being part of a community and giving to a community, but not necessarily building it. I haven't viewed it as building a community around the podcast. Okay. Wow. I, I mean, I think it really does. It, it's I'm I you know I have a sort of niche focus of kind of the legal technology, legal innovation community, and a lot of those people are on social media already. And if you're putting out a podcast, and if you got uh, you know if there's a, a really good guest who's got some really good insights on uh, uh, whatever the the topic is they're talking about, and you get some of those start to get some of those quotes out there, and people start to listen to it. It really does. It can drive a whole lot of conversation around whatever the topic is of, of your show. It seems like, and 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 of course that drives more listeners to your show as well. But um, you know, it, to me, it's all a, it's a kind of a continuum of blogging and podcasting and social media, all as sort of components of a of a larger conversation and community. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't know that we have built a community, um, but it, it definitely can. Yeah, and then just, you know, what podcasts are you guys listening to <laughs> in your spare time? Frankly, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> You're busy. <laughs> um, I listen to some of the serial ones. Um, Serial and This American Life are they the same or two different? Two different. Two okay, different. yeah, I've listened to like ran, yeah, like random podcasts um, from those series, but honestly, don't listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. It's probably not good um, for someone. <laughs> I actually do listen to a lot of podcasts, but I try not to listen to legal podcasts. But what I would recommend to people if they haven't listened to it, it's, it's kind of new this year, but it's called Zigzag, and it's actually about two women who left. But cushy jobs oh, at yeah, WNYC yeah. to start a podcasting company. And, and they were going to be part of this whole civil, uh, 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 <clears throat> the uh, blockchain supported news oh, site that just, just flopped yeah. horribly in the last couple of weeks because they did their initial coin offering and nobody bought any. But uh, they've been doing this podcast about, about two women trying to start trying to really start a podcasting company and make money at it. Uh, and it's fascinating. It's really, it's, they do a good job with it. That's cool. Zigzag. Yeah. Zig -zag. Michael? Yeah. 
I also don't listen to a huge number of podcasts. <laughs> I like I really like radio, and I feel like podcasts are sort of radio on demand. Um, yeah. But I do. I don't know. I always like the idea of tuning in at a certain time. Um, but I, you know, I like This American Life and, and some of the NY, WNYC shows that they put out. I really enjoy. Um, and there's another one put out by by Transom or by PRX actually called How Sound, and it's about the process of putting together radio. Um, and so it's sort of geeky and specific about how you tell stories, you know, with with radio. And I find that really interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do you guys have some questions or you can talk about some resources? Yes? Uh, what kind of ROI are you seeing on your podcast as um, Again, we're not really tracking the ROI um, on our podcast just because we see it as part of sort of a larger piece of the puzzle. Like it's one small piece of a larger puzzle. Um, so it really is just sort of a supplement to other things that we're doing, other BD activities, other, you know, comms and um, PR activities. So uh, unfortunately, we don't have numbers on that. There was a really great uh, webinar that the AMA did back in May. Uh, and the, the speaker talked about not thinking about ROI so much as return on audience and how you invest in building the content. Because some of it's not just did they buy from us, but learning about what people are interested in, what people need, what resonates with your target clients, and being able to better target them later. So there's there's a lot of ways of answering that question also. Yeah, because I I don't think we can point you know to business and say this came in because of this podcast. Again, it really is just a piece of all the other stuff that we're doing um, to promote the business. So. Well, I would say like so we have a really targeted podcast at my firm, mm -hmm. and we have brought in four clients through it. Mm -hmm. So nice. I do think that there is kind of more reason to have a niche topic rather than kind of general. But we have a much larger firm, so we we can't just do one person. Mm -hmm. How how do you track it? Because it's really hard to track a podcast. Uh, you, know, you can't track What's a podcast the, the same way. Uh, project finance so renewable energy. Okay. Um, people reach out to our host directly. This is partner. Um, we track our downloads. We track our subscribers. So somebody says, "I listen to your podcast, and I'd love to hire you." <laughs> a lot of times they meet him and then realize they've heard his voice before. Oh. Cool. I will say I have gotten. I can. Th I have one direct job where I finish the interview and they're like, "Hey, we need this thing. Can you do it?" <laughs> uh, but I think that's. I'm a little hey. different than probably most attorneys because I'm targeting my clients a little more directly. Yeah. I mean, over the 13 years of my other podcast, I I, I was practicing. I practiced law did part time, and uh, I had maybe three people ever call me and say, "I'm calling you because I heard your podcast." And I, but I wasn't really advertising legal services so much. It was more on news shows. So you're just increasing your profile and raising yeah, your, your profile, profile and visibility. Yeah. I don't think three over 13 years is very good ROI. Probably not. Yeah. My eye wasn't very high. <laughs> <laughs> um, earlier in the session, um, I think you mentioned that there, um, blogs and podcasts both are conversations, really. I mean, it's sort of like it's building that conversation, right? This is a mechanism to do so. So where do you see the value of podcasting over lobbying? I mean, we've talked a lot about how much resource, energy, and time goes into the technology behind podcasting, and where a blog, once it's built, you're just posting content. So where, where are you seeing the added value? We, we do podcasting as well, but I'm just curious what your experience of the value of 
podcasting over blogging and why you've chosen that as your platform? That's a good question. I was just going to say, I mean, we've had attorneys come to us to say that their clients would rather have a podcast than a blog because, I mean, you can have a podcast playing in the background or, like I said, on your commute or something like that, and they might be more likely to listen to that than to read a blog post or an article. Um, so really, it just was based off of what our attorneys said that they've been hearing from clients. So. I would say I did the podcast. I don't know if it was necessarily an either or proposition. I mean, for me, just because of the bandwidth I have to do it, it's sort of an either or proposition. But I think if you have the bandwidth to do both, you should be doing both. And I think a podcast can be really great because the podcast can feed the um, a blog. But I don't think it should be an either or for most of the people in the audience, probably. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think you reach, you know, you're, you're going to reach separate audiences to some extent, and some of the same audiences will be overlap with the two of them. I, you know, as I said earlier, I think that the advantage to a, a podcast is, is just that because it's an audible medium, you, you, you know, you get to present yourself or your guests in a different way. I think there's something uh, more intimate about actually being able to hear somebody's voice, hear that, how they talk about you know, if it's a lawyer talking about an area of law, if, if it's uh, you know a company CEO talking about his company, whatever it might be, you get more of a, a, a flavor of more of a familiarity, I think, with that person. So, yeah, you, their yeah. personality. Comes their out. personality comes through. Yeah, more more Sometimes than writing. Sometimes it's hard with lawyers. <laughs> One other difference I might put out there is that you have to really want to do the podcast. Um, I mean, blogging, someone else can kind of fake it for you, <laughs> <laughs> but if it's going to be your voice, like. They have to want to do it. Have to show up. Yes. Hi. This question's um, for Angela or if anyone has any kind of experience or background with this. So, what kind of pushback did you get in terms of you were trying to integrate a podcast for your firm? So, actually, my firm was already podcasting before I even joined, and they've been podcasting. I know over 10 years. Um, so I wasn't really involved in, in that process. It was just kind of handed to me because they had already started it. So so that's actually helpful. So from my firm, we had a podcast. And then it was like over time when we were trying to rebuild our new website and just you know modernize everything that the podcast kind of just fell off. But I'm not sure, and this probably predated me, but I'm not sure if our firm is just not interested in podcasting anymore, or if there's no like initiative again, or if at one time we were, or if it's not into our role as yet. Um, where we are now, where the firm is. So I'm just curious, what would you say, everyone on the panel, what would you say if you had any tips or how to like restart that conversation to see if it could be or how it would be helpful to bring the podcast back in? Because we did have like RSS feeds and people were subscribing, but I'm not sure like how long ago that was or what kind of, like the concept we had this kind of conversational in that kind of sense. But I want to know in 2019 and going forward, how do we, bring that conversation back and what would be some tips? Um, I think if you can kind of present your attorneys with sort of a plan that you have in mind, so whether it's one particular topic and, you know, we think that you should talk about this for a podcast and this is why podcasts are important now or this is how podcasts can sort of assist in our overall strategy. But really, I mean, it goes back to 
don't do a podcast if you don't have enough content to do one because it probably will end up just falling to the wayside again. Um, so really trying to put together sort of a plan and present that to your attorneys to see if there's interest and if you have sort of a group of attorneys who are going to take the lead um, and push that forward. You need the buy-in yeah. from the lawyers because they're going to be devoting time to it, yeah. even a couple hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The only other thought I have on that is just that I, you know, again, it obviously depends on your, on your marketing goals and strategies. But I, you know, I think there's something to be said for uh, publishing uh, in in multiple media, uh, and so that uh, you can reach, uh, you know, potential clients wherever they are. Uh, and and uh, you know, the point was made earlier that that. Uh, apart from the unique sort of uh, qualities of podcasts as, as being audible shows, they're, they're also just really convenient to a lot of people. A lot of people are listening to podcasts, like somebody said, when they're driving in their car or when they're at the gym or exercising or taking a walk or something. So it, it's a, a, a different way for them to consume content. And so, you know, in, in addition to relying on newsletters or blogs or other print content, this gives a, them a way to, to, uh, to get your content in, in a different format. I've never heard anyone say, I love receiving newsletters. <laughs> but I've heard a lot of people say, I love podcasts, and I listen to dozens of them. So I mean, it is something that people are passionate about as, as consumers of information. I just have like one or two more minutes. I don't know if there's any like key resources you'd suggest to the audience or? Just one I would mention, I think I already mentioned it, but if, if you could just kind of Google the Apple podcaster's guide or something like that, I think it's called. They, they, they have a whole big guide uh, up for people who want to publish podcasts on Apple, but it's, it's a really useful guide about how to structure a podcast and how to format a podcast and uh, you know, how, to, how to distribute it and how to set up your RSS feeds and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so uh, I can't think of the name of it though. Great. <laughs> well, thank you everyone so much for your time. Hope you. Go forward and podcast. <laughs> <laughs>